Welcome to the RV Navigator podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you today from a campground in West Texas called Balmaria State Park. Yes, uh, one of the several state parks that we've stayed in uh, on our trip here in Texas for the last two weeks of February. We are very impressed with the Texas state parks. Yes. Um, They have a marvelous reservation system and wonderful facilities for behemoths (laughs) such as ours. Lots of good power and pull-through sites and tables and shelters, cables. Hookups cable with TV. cable TV in a state park and reasonable and no prices. trees, so that we can have nice satellite uh, connections and make the internet work for us. So you'll probably be hearing about the state parks in Texas again because we bought an annual pass uh, since there is a day use fee, and we want to make the most out of our annual pass while we're here in Texas. So since we last talked to you, uh, we spent a couple of weeks of February hunkering down in the cold weather of Texas. Which still hasn't Texas. improved no, all that hasn't. much. Uh, but the we El can't Nino complain. year has really hit us hard, I would say. But all over the country, it sounds like, not just here. Yeah, and just today, we have that huge snowstorm on the East Coast. And any of our East Coast listeners, we hope that you're getting your power back and that uh, everything will be back to normal. That your back doesn't hurt too much from all that Ooh, shoveling. Yeah, we keep saying it's cold down here, but boy, it's worse elsewhere. We did have what I would call very comfortable weather in Big Bend National Park, which is a national park we've been wanting to see for a long time, but it's just so darn far from anywhere else that you want to be. And let's take a look at where it is exactly. Um, When you look at the map of Texas, you see West Texas kind of has this little dip down (laughs) on the bottom, and that's where the the Rio Rio Grande Grande makes a Big Bend, and that's why it's called that. And it literally took us two days to drive to it from the Rio Grande Valley, and we're gradually working our way out of it, and we still really aren't anywhere, even though we're here in Baltimore. And we, we, we allotted t- two full weeks to seeing the the area, the Big Bend area, uh, and the national park, as well as the state parks that are adjacent to the Big Bend National Park. And the and Davis a, Mountains. And a few other little stops along the way. In all honesty... I enjoyed it very much. There was some very nice scenery, but it's just so nowhere. And I am so (laughs) glad that I packed for this trip as if I was going to the other side of the moon because that's where it's felt like we've been. No, it it looks like the other side of the moon. Boy, this is a desolate area. And you know, when you come to towns that don't have grocery stores, you think, "What are these people eating?" The biggest town we've been in has had less than five thousand people. Right. In the last two weeks. And we went through a county that had less than 3,000 people in the whole county. It's mind-boggling for urban people such as us. We had a really good time uh, visiting the McDonald Observatory, and the thing that the population uh, comment brings to my mind is the fact that the McDonald Observatory, which has a staff of 100 living on the site, is the third largest city in the county. Community, (laughs) not city. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to go someplace that is really far out of the way, and if you enjoy lots of uh, dry camping and um, not many people, you can drive down the road. I think we drove up here today. We drove about 50 miles to get to the state park. We maybe saw three cars. It's incredible. Going either direction. So when you come here, bring your creature comforts with you because you won't be able to or, buy anything. Or if you like to hike and camp and oh, out in the wonderful. wilderness, then wonderful. this is a, a really nice place to, to do that. And Big Bend National Park is big, and it is uh, lots of dirt roads. And we did camp. Uh, there was one full-service campground that we stayed in, which was quite nice, on the Rio Grande River. You can really access things in Big Bend in three ways. They have paved roads to the things that you Uh really have to see. And then they have what they call improved dirt roads that Uh are to things that you might want to see. Or wheeling. And then they have some unimproved Mm. dirt roads and hiking trails that are just out nowhere. Yes, but they have nice long hiking trails. I mean, they were 10 or 15 miles, which was beyond our capabilities, we felt. Um, But they had some smaller loop trails. And then we went on several of these unimproved dirt 
roads, taking our four-wheel drive Jeep and, and putting really it to the test. And you were disappointed because you really hardly didn't need any four-wheel. Well, not only was I disappointed in that, but they take you to places. That are nowhere. <laughs> that are nothing. <laughs> this was a community in 1918. <laughs> what can you see now? A few old creosoted corral pieces. And that's about all that's left. <laughs> in many ways, this area has been kind of a snooze, but it was worth coming here and we're... That's one of those places you've we, always heard about. We're glad we got to see it. And in the next few days, we head to in the Dallas Civilization. Direction. Civilization, once again, with grocery stores and things. But if you do come to this area, you do need to come equipped and bring the, the stuff that you want to have with you, including lots of reading material. <laughs> so that's what we've uh, spent the, the month of February doing. As she said, the weather was quite nice in the southern part of uh, Big Bend um, that was in the 70s and sunny skies, uh, very blue skies. Um, oh, can you see the stars around here? Oh, yeah. It really tells you how much light pollution you deal with in the rest of the United States. And I think one of the one of our most exciting things was to visit the McDonald Observatory. We, we hadn't actually planned on doing that, but it was here, and they have a, a very nice outreach program. And we went to a dinner and observation through a 107-inch reflecting telescope, which was quite impressive. And I was very pleased with the astronomers and how they spoke with us. Uh, they didn't assume that we knew a whole lot about it, and they didn't talk gobbledygook, but they because told we us... don't. <laughs> and they told us things that were very interesting about what they've discovered and still hope to discover. Very worthwhile. Very worthwhile, yes. Uh, we did have a, a good time there, and we didn't, frankly, get a chance to do all the programs because... Our schedule didn't allow it, didn't match up with their schedule. But they have uh, nighttime viewing programs uh, that are on a regular basis. The one we went to was interesting because it was only held once a month. And you got to look through the 35th largest telescope in the, in the world, world or something like that. But the reason why the McDonald Observatory is where it is is because of the very black skies and we had people there telling us that uh, this has among the blackest skies in the whole northern hemisphere, in the whole North America, North America continent, anyway, which is quite impressive. Uh, as we step outside and look at the stars at night, when the moon isn't there, it it's is black. Incredible show. And what they're doing at the McDonald Observatory. What did you learn about well, black matter? I learned I, what impressed me more was the stuff they showed us about the sun and how yeah. big it was, and how when the sun implodes, it's going to be so big that it will encompass the Earth's orbit. But luckily, we won't be around for that. For, that's not going to happen for another billion years or so. So the universe is just so big. It well, as you can tell, mind. we all know nothing about astronomy, but it was interesting to to delve into these fields, and of course, that's one of the reasons why we travel. Uh, I guess maybe we should tell you our contact info. Oh, nah. We always just start talking and we forget yeah. that because we do really like to hear from you. And you can leave us a voicemail at 815-230-0772. And, of course, the website is rvnavigator.com where all of the links to all of the exciting topics that we're going to talk about today will be listed if I get it up. Uh, I've had some very interesting emails this month, and I think I had one a day when I had the most hits we've ever had on the RV Navigator, over 400. Wow. Who knows why. But thank you for visiting, and uh, thank you for listening. We do appreciate it, and we do uh, like to hear from you. So please send us uh, emails and comments about our topics and uh, ask us uh, whatever questions you might have. Or give us suggestions about things you want us to talk about. Absolutely. On to some other things that uh, might be of interest to RVers that are not specific to our travels. Over the years, I've been very impressed with Google and all of the technology innovations that they've created. And one of the things that I like to do is I like to know, for instance, uh, when people are talking about the RV Navigator and when they mention it on the web. And that's hard to do because uh, there's no real way of finding it out uh, who's talking about what your website is or topics that you're interested in, in learning about unless you use Google Alerts. So what you do is you go to Google.com and you click on More. And then and you, you click on... So that's the standard web page. And then you click on Even More. Even More. And you will see a listing, a full web page full of extra features that Google has that you probably never knew were there. 
And one of the first ones, because they're in alphabetical order, is called Google Alerts. And what Google Alerts does is, is that when you type in some search criteria, you can say to Google, please send me an email whenever these search terms are on a web page. So I, for instance, have one for RVs and motorhomes. So whenever RVs and motorhomes are mentioned on web pages or blogs, it sends me an, an alert. And that's the way I found many of the articles and things that we have uh, uh, mentioned here on the RV Navigator is, is that uh, I get an email and, and go research that page and find out some cool new things that people are doing. And here I thought you were doing this all on your own with lots of elbow grease. Well, I am grease. doing it on my own with lots of elbow grease, but Google is helping me out here because I have to read all the emails. So I get about three or four emails a day from Google that alert me to my search terms being mentioned on somebody's web blog or somebody's web page, which is cool because it searches all of the forums that that are available too. So trying to think of application for this for an RVer, since that's what we're talking about. Yes. You, so could you put in a problem that you're having? Or? Yes, or you could put in Big Ben National Park. Now, this is only new stuff, not old stuff. So you can't put in a problem that you're having, and you'll get a historical record oh, okay. of uh, that problem. So it only does new pages that are mentioning this particular topic. So you could put in Big Bang National Park, for instance. And get very current and information. And get current information about people having comments about Big Bend National Park. And that would be sent to you as an email on a regular basis, uh, depending on how often they, uh, <laughs> that your search Someone term has appears. But I say. get three or four a day. So if there's any topic that you would like to learn more about, uh, this is a great way to uh, have that you know, sent to you and and for you to keep up. If currency is important. Yeah. Well, and I like to see Being current is when people are mentioning the RV Navigator. And I've gotten several hits that I've read. Uh, somebody mentions it in a blog, and then I send them a, a little note and say, thank you for mentioning it. Oh, and, that's nice. Yeah. So the, all sorts of stuff that you can find by using Google Alerts. And while you're on the More Google Products page, you might want to uh, look at some of the other things that it does. I think you're probably familiar with, with Google Earth uh, for looking at pictures and Google Maps. And, and you probably use Picasa and uh, numerous other things. But you might want to take a look at some of the other features there because Google has done some terrific stuff for free. And now I can see the yawns coming. But somebody asked me about... Buying a new computer, and they were worried about the fact that their new netbook computer only had a 10-inch screen, and it was hard to do photo editing. That would be. Yes. It bothers me when we're on a, a suitcase trip. And you did that with our netbook that we have. But they didn't realize that if you have a high-definition TV, it probably has a VGA jack on it or possibly an HDMI jack on it that you can take your computer screen and plug it into the TV and use that as a big monitor. But you're talking about a new TV, not the old... I'm talking about one of the flat panel TVs right. that is a high-definition TV. Not the TV. ones that everybody's throwing away these not days. Not the ones that everybody's throwing away or going to garage sales and buying for $5. It's the new ones that you've tried to install in your RV and have, have had trouble with. But both of our TVs here in our RV both have VGA jacks on them. They're inexpensive TVs, so I assume it's fairly common. And you can plug your laptop computer into them and have a big screen from which to work. And that means more real estate, not just your picture blown up big. And you've also had films that you showed. Well, yes, and so we use well, it as right? a DVD player, right. which is also nice. So you can have one device that, that kind of does it does all. Does it all. Yeah, that, and we have found that to be very satisfactory. My laptop has an optical out, so we can have 5.1 surround sound. whoop de doo You like having sound, surround sound, don't you? Sometimes. Oh. I try. Anyway, you can have a little fiber optic output and hook it into your receiver. The problem with 5.1 sound in a small confined space like an RV is that you're inevitably quite close to one of the speakers yeah. and it it can be alarming when someone screams in your ear in the middle of a movie and they're just one of the elements of the scene and not the major part of the scene. And of course, when the bass comes out of the front of the not out of the screen because our subwoofer is at the front of the coach instead of where the screen is. Small problems. And, of course, the other way is that the, you can take your old 
laptop computer and turn it into a TV. Why? Well, you might want to use it outdoors. Uh, is your entertainment system it outside? It wouldn't be bright enough. It's as bright as any TV. Oh, maybe at night. So rather than recycling your old laptop, buy a USB tuner for it. For the ones for Macs are called EYE ITV, and you can plug in and put it into your antenna. And it has a digital tuner, and you can watch the signal over the air. So where's the so you can put it in your bedroom so or the, have it as a kitchen TV. Is the tuner part of the computer then? No. Or it's do not, you have, can you have a remote control question. where you would be? Mine has a remote control, and it has it's a USB stick that looks like a memory stick that you plug into mm-hmm. a USB port, and that has all the stuff on it, and you install the software. And voila, it will also record. It's also a right, DVR. right. Which is nice. Oh, that's good. Then if you can repurpose it. Yes. Why throw your old laptop away when it could be doing something useful? Very useful for you. And as a matter of fact, uh, the idea came from uh, somebody who was installing it into their <laughs> into their bedroom in their RV and had put up a little shelf and had the laptop there more or less permanently. Why not? If that's all you're going to use yeah. it for. Yeah. So that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Okay, now somebody I had we actually had a listener in Sweden. It's unbelievable. Wow. Yeah. It's very exciting to get emails. From, well, it's it's exciting to get emails from everybody, but from such a, a long distance somebody actually listens to the podcast. His question some of the favorite iPhone apps for RVing. And I'm sure you have many of them. I don't I, do, I I have reluctantly uh not spoken about this before because I don't think that that many people have an iPhone. But with that said, if you have uh, maybe an Android or an iPhone that have lots of apps with them, you might want to consider some of the apps for RVing. And I will put a list on the website of the exact locations of these, but some of the favorites that we have, we use our iPhones all the time for all sorts of purposes. To me, the biggest blessing has been I'm always having questions, and it used to be you'd have to wait till you got home till you could look it up. And now, if we're how not, big is Big if, Bend National Park? If we're Park, not in West Texas, where there is no figure that out because we didn't sort, have a connection. That's um, right. We, you can we just get on your phone, phone and look stuff up. Yes, that's very nice. How and, far and you is kind it of have to so train your mind to thinking that. How far are we from such and such a place? You look it up on the map section, and it tells you exactly where you are and how far it is to the next destination. But uh, there are some gen- generic iPhone apps, which I think are fairly common to uh, smartphones. The restaurant ones are cool. We use those quite frequently. Restaurant and where's the post office or, you know, where's the laundromat that you're looking for? Gas station ones? Gas station Gas ones, buddy. you know, all sorts of things like that. But specialized ones, I guess um, we would consider the satellite pointing one to be a cool one. Oh, that really has saved your life. Well, there have been many times we weren't so we weren't sure whether we could use a site or not because we weren't sure if the tree was in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. And that can help you figure out where the satellites are in relation to the tree. Yes, and another one that I'm using frequently is the one that keeps uh, vehicle statistics. So you can have multiple cars, um, and including an RV like our big one, as well as our towed, all stored in the same place, and it keeps track of. <laughs> how much CO2 you're producing. Do you want to know that? How no. much gas you're using up and how much it's costing you? Well, I'd like to know statistically uh, our gas mileage and, you know, figures out all those, gives you a nice little graph about how what's the maximum you've ever paid for fuel. And, and certainly when you're planning your next trip, <coughs> you can use that data to kind of budget um, and plan how much your next trip's going to cost you. Yes, and it's nice to see about the toad, exactly how it's doing also. So every time we are at a gas station, you know, yeah, because I have my iPhone with me, I just plug in the data as we are fueling Filling. up, and it automatically does all the calculations that I've had to do so meticulously uh, on paper before, or not so meticulously. Or not do it all. <laughs> I've always tried. And another one that we recently got was one that's specifically for RVing and camping, where you can put in uh, campsite ratings and which site you stayed in and campgrounds. And and it has a leveling device. For those of you who don't have a leveling device, you can stick it on your kitchen counter and see when your RV is leveled. We have the, the jacks that do that, but I can see that as being handy for somebody. It has a compass built in and a flashlight. It's the jack-of-all-trades RV. How could we live without one? I know. 
and it, the restaurant ones we like. What are some of the other ones that we really enjoy? You mentioned geocaching. Geocaching, which is one that's that's nice to have. I have over a hundred apps. So, what a surprise! And I'm looking forward to my new iPad. <laughs> what Next a surprise! Month. Next month, <laughs> almost time for it to be ordered. Okay, so that takes care of the iPhone apps. As I said, I'll put a list of those on our website for those of you who might be interested in having an iPhone. Um, we did buy new fire extinguishers all around. Uh, after five years or so, they say that you should replace your fire extinguishers. And, of course, ours had just the one at the front of the coach, like most people do. So we bought a couple of extras. A special one for, one for the kitchen? A special one for the kitchen. And I found a residential fire blanket, which also sounds pretty cool, which I'm planning on ordering when we have a chance to get someplace where I can get some get mail. Something we haven't gotten mail in two weeks either. But it is a 36 by 36 inch fabricated blanket with holding handles attached to one end for easy handling and ease of use. Packaging of the red ceramic fire hydrant shaped canister. Kitchen fire blankets provide valuable protection in homes, boats, and RVs that are most susceptible to rapid fire spread and destruction. So you take this blanket and throw it over your stove. And smother the fire. And smother the fire. And it won't burn. Yes. It's a good idea. Well, I worry, you know, you never know how you're going to act in an emergency. And you don't normally use fire extinguishers. And I worry that I would stand there and have to read the canister to remind myself of what am I supposed to pull out and... And too much time would go by. Just throwing a blanket just seems easy. And a 36 by 36 inch um, is about the right size for a stove. Yeah, in a a house or a boat, that would be fine. Yeah, for us anyway. So uh, I'll put the link up for that, Mm assistivestuff.com. I also read an article about uh, propane filling problems at Flying J's, one of our favorite places. Oh, yeah. RVers love to go to Flying J's. And we have had, uh, we've filled up at the Flying J. No problem. And apparently you have to, the uh, the Flying J uh, personnel were not making distinctions between cylinders and tanks. Uh, those of us driving motorhomes have a tank that's permanently mounted to the chassis. We got yelled at by the filling people because ours is so rusty. And so we were out there painting it the other day. It was a fun project works. for sure. I could just see it exploding <laughs> underneath our motorhome because it had rusted away. Leaking <laughs> propane, yes. And we've used a fair amount of propane for the below freezing temperatures we've had. Ooh, I think this is, yeah, we had about the coldest we've ever stayed in the RV was mm-hmm. this trip. Mm-hmm. It was in the 20s, low 20s. 20s. <laughs> Cylinders are manufactured under specifications from the DOT, the Department of Transportation. Tanks are not manufactured under any specifications except for the American Society of Mechanical Engineers. And the DOT requires periodic inspection of cylinders, but they have no control over tanks because they're frame-mounted to your RV. And the person was looking, the the Flying J person was looking for the appropriate sticker on the tank and wouldn't fill this person's uh, tank uh, because it didn't have a sticker, and she thought it would be violating the law. Whereas it, the fact is that because it is frame-mounted tank, it didn't need a sticker, only if it were a cylinder. So if you're driving a motorhome and you want to be filled up with the Flying J, you might run into this and you need to know what the issue is so that you can solve it there on the spot and get yourself refilled with propane. And answer the question. And if you use, like us, you've been using a lot of it lately. <laughs> Buy the gallon. And at two ninety nine a gallon, it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. The RV video that we're going... Oh, we have two things. Two multimedia events. Really? Yes. What are they? The first one, which I forgot, we forgot to put down here. The first one is another segment from the Bernie and Red concert that we saw. Oh, well, we haven't gotten to that yet. Oh, we haven't gotten to that. But that's okay. You're always hopping around. She's a very linear person, and we have to go by the notes in exact order. So I will forget that until it's we get to it. It's on page four. We're only on page two. Oh, geez. Don't <laughs> tell people that. They'll tune out right away. <laughs> what the hell are we listening to? We're <laughs> All right. So you're and we have put, a great interview. You're going to put Bernie and Red in here? No. I'm going to put it in later. Oh, <laughs> you can. They're, they're great fun. We talked to you about them before. We saw them in the Rio Grande Valley a few times, and their comedy act is hilarious, and some of their bits are very RV-appropriate. So we know that you'll enjoy Bernie and Red. 
we now have uh, the green, uh, the amazing green RV setup. Truck camper pulling a travel trailer, and the guy has made it himself self-sufficient. We're driving down the road, and Martha says, "Well, why can't you have a windmill on your RV?" Yeah, why can't you? He does. He has two of them. Well, as long as they're not too tall and you don't bump into bridges and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't have it while you're driving. You just have it sitting out. And around here, there I are think lots. You should of... have it while you're driving. You could make a lot of wind while you're driving. Yeah. You know, much more appropriate. We saw. Did Did you see 60 Minutes at the end of. Oh, so yeah. The and second, it, the we saw him on one of February. the morning shows, too. These new <sighs> fuel cells that this guy has this come up with. This is unbelievable. It really th- sounds like it will be the answer to many of the problems that we've been having. Oh, this, uh, it's, it's, the, the company is Bloom Energies. The new fuel cell. Um, as seen on 60 Minutes. As seen wrote. on 60 Minutes, right. Um, that's on page four also. There he goes, skipping around again. <laughs> But, but this, anyway, but, it's cool technology. Well, I was blown he, away by the 60 He had a little device story. that you could hold in your hand that would be enough to power your home. A fuel cell that you can that's that's powered by something as simple as propane or natural gas and it will the cube which looked to be about well, not certainly not 12 by 12. I could hold it in my hand. Yeah, but I mean it was small. Produced enough electricity to power your house. Now think about that for an RV. And and we should add that it is already being used in prototype this by a number pro- of different companies like this eBay. This is pie in the skies type of stuff. This isn't. And uh, they've been using it for months. Cold fusion, and it works this just is, fine. And Google is one of the places that's using it. Yeah. Wow. That would be really neat. So if you saw sixty minutes, then you were you were familiar. It'll with be this. in the news again. Keep your eyes open if you didn't see but it. I could see making an all-electric RV except for the engine. You wouldn't need a generator. You wouldn't need all these battery business. You'd save a lot of space and weight. Space and weight, and all your appliances could be electric, and you could stay out for as long as you wanted, as long as you had propane. Water, 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 and propane. Mm-hmm. But I'm no, I'm telling you, in terms of power, keeping it going, in terms mm-hmm. of the power that you need, no more solar, no more windmills. Because getting back to the video, which you're going to put up, that got us thinking about this. This guy who does the. Um, windmills and solar panels on his rv talks about living off the grid indefinitely and to me he still has the water problem to solve i mean i'm I'm all for using as little power as possible and to trying to live green but well he said he collected enough water well we haven't had any rain for the last two weeks yeah that wouldn't, that wouldn't work not in west texas not where you, where you want to wash your hair every day you betcha well, as you know, I'm a fairly technical person, and I've been. And working, as you know, I'm not. <laughs> but she often razzes me because I like to use Photoshop and adjust. <sighs> I put quotes around this. Adjust my pictures so that they are somewhat better. And we've had many arguments about when does the photo stop representing what you were seeing that day and become is it a work of art is, or something else altogether? Our photographs that have been photoshopped, and I think that's turned into a verb now, are pictures that are photoshopped are they really photographs and i was interested to read in my february issue of uh, popular photography magazine they had the results of the uh, f- uh, reader contest and they have various categories where readers enter by how photo <coughs> so the categories are determined by how photoshopped the no, no no are? no 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 oh. no that's the that's the issue is is there the categories are not based on. So some of the photographs that were, were entered highly photoshopped were entered in categories as photographs as photographs. And the question is whether they really were right. Um, and that's uh, that's a really good question these days. And I'm sure you've seen uh, well, lots of certainly photoshopped any woman, models. Yes. Any woman who stands in the grocery store uh, line yeah. and looks at the magazine covers knows that there are no real women that look like that. Two of the winners. In two of the categories were heavily photoshopped, and I have the link on my website, uh, or on the RV Navigator website, that will help you take a look at these if you want to. But at what point does a photograph stop being a photograph? And so here's kind of a continuum, which is quite interesting, I think. Here's a list of a list of things that people do to and for photographs, ranging from the innocent and traditional to the dangerously artificial. If you were running a photography contest, at what point would you draw the line and say, this is not a photograph anymore? 
I'm going to read these slowly, and she's going to tell me. I'll tell you where the line is. Where, uh, now, which things have you done? Okay, so we start with things. You move the camera to get the best possible shot. Everybody does that. You attach a lens that makes it much wider or closer view than you would get with your eyes alone. If you can afford now, to have is, another lens, you might want to do that. Is a photograph what you see? Yes, but I see 180 degrees. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, 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 no. You I just turn look my out. head. That's not legal. <laughs> Turning you my... choose a shallow depth of field providing that sharp subject blurry background look of professional photos which looks nothing like reality. It does if you kind of squint your eyes a little bit. <laughs> you are really cheating. <laughs> and being a user of a super wide angle lens, I definitely do the Cheat. Oh, he's a big cheater, let oh, me tell you. No, it just makes your photos look better. Oh jeez. And one of the things that I found out is is that Especially last year, there were times when I had pictures that were better than the scene that was there, even just as I shot them. Why? Because I didn't let you see the whole scene that I was looking at with my eyes. So I shot a very small segment, and it was beautiful, but the overall scene was not that good. That's called editing. It's called cheating. Well, I don't know. You set up lights to illuminate a scene in a way that nature never intended. I don't think I've ever done that. You bring a professional crew to transform a model's skin, clothing, and hair. I would like to have a professional crew. That no, no, nice. but is that, is that legal? <laughs> now, that's before the the picture's been taken. For marketing? For advertising? That's okay? Well, it's just the done thing. Everybody knows that But happens. is it a photograph? You witness a spectacular event and then ask the people involved to go back and reenact it just as it happens so you could have your camera ready. Hmm. In the dark room, which I've had for years... You burn and dodge to make certain parts of a photo brighter or darker. And you can certainly do that outside of a dark room with Photoshop. Yes, you can. With your computer. You bring the photo into Photoshop and remove red eye. No, you can buy a camera that removes the red eye. Then you don't need to do Photoshop. <laughs> <laughs> She's perverting my purpose here. You bring the photo into Photoshop and make the colors pop a little bit more. I do that all the time. You that's, do? That's very nice. If you read Martha's blog, you'll see popped photos. You betcha. You bring the photo into Photoshop and shift one element slightly for a better composition. No, I don't do that. That's too much work. You combine two or more photographs of the identical scene taken at different exposures strictly to produce a better range of light and dark called high dynamic range hdr i've been playing with that that's kind of cool oh she's gotten oh her standards have changed you combine two or more elements of a different photographs into the same scene taken around the same same time simply to get them all in the frame at once like seagulls definitely cheating i've done that i know you have (laughs) you combine one or more elements of different photos that were taken at different times and places Oh, and you're going to put up an example of that, an extreme example of that. You Very use a, dramatic picture. Use a 3D modeling program to create a photorealistic scene that never existed anywhere but in your imagination. That's like Avatar. Of course, your answer may be something like, it depends on the purpose of the photo. If you're a news photographer and you and your audience are probably okay with tweaks in the color and contrast, but that's it. On the other hand, if you're an advertising photographer and your audience would probably have no problem with anything on the list above, my question is, what should the rules for a photo competition be? Hmm. Well, I don't know what it should be, but I guess that uh, is what we are going to be talking about it should be clear yes if you're going to have a contest otherwise well it depends on your purposes popular photography photography accepted uh-huh. well then then that's their rule anything okay. goes so now i put the bernie and red story in um no but people wonder and yes we do travel in an rv we love it you know the, the only drawback to rv living as far as i'm concerned and coming down here is that even if you book a a site well in advance, you don't have any control over who they park you next to. But that's the the beauty of it. That's that lovely little bit of excitement when you pull into a park and you think, are we going to make new lifelong friends? Sometimes. Or is it going to be somebody, okay, we spend a couple of weeks next to them and then we're all off and we go our separate ways. But either way, it's 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 a little... A little step, a milestone in your, in your life. Somet- I think it's wonderful. That's the, that's the excitement of, of the RV life. Sometimes that is true. However, fresh faces, fresh places. 
However, unfortunately, it seems that I always get parked next to the guy. I will call this guy, for want of a better word, the, the, the cheerful Charlie of the RV park. This is the guy who cannot see you set foot outside your rig without he wants to strike up a conversation, tell you the latest joke that he's heard or what have you. And this came to a head when we were in Texas a few years ago. We got in really late at night. The following morning, I got up. I thought, I'll go and clean all those dead bugs off my windshield. I get out there. As soon as I set foot outside the rig, here's cheerful Charlie next door. Ah, British Columbia, top of the morning. You've come a long way, all that. Oh, probably six days. But you're up early in the morning and you're busy cleaning your windshield. You want to do mine when you're finished? What's wrong with that? That is neighborliness. I think that's wonderful. This is an only child, you know. The following, only child doesn't the like anybody playing with his crayons or anything like that. The following morning, we had a show that night, so I was cleaning my shoes. So I had a couple of pairs of shoes out on the picnic table, just getting ready to go at them. His door swings open. British Columbia, how are you doing? You're oh, it's such a busy man. Look at you now. You're cleaning shoes. Do you want to do mine when you're finished? I waited until about 10.30 that night, and I went and borrowed a stepladder. I took it over to his fifth wheel. I put it up against the bedroom window. I climbed up. I knocked on the window. I said, do you want to do mine when you're finished? We're on page four now. But we already talked about it, and we already talked about the fuel cell. So we're going to talk about something that really, truly is more RV-oriented than many of the things we've been talking about like photo contests and that's something new that sounds intriguing but i don't know if i would really like to do it um harvest hosts um harvest host is a new kind of a membership campground i'm using that word with quotation marks of farms and vineyards who uh want you to come to them with your rig uh, but they don't necessarily offer much in the way of camping services like utilities and while you're there you are welcome to stay on their property and service their farm fresh food and drink their for free just bottled wine and um on the website, you can see you hope you sign up for a year and have a paid membership like you would to KOA or some other campground organization. So, it's, but it's a very loose sort of operation. It's a new idea. It'll be interesting It'll be to see if, if it catches on or not. It certainly would be popular with the foodies. Mm -hmm. They would like to do that. And now we have uh, another piece of high tech. Oh, good. Oh, good. I'm sure many of you have heard of the term Skype. Skype allows you to connect uh, and talk to people from around the world for virtually nothing through computers. We've talked to some of our loyal listeners in Australia. Right, using and Skype. today we have an interview done over Skype. Now, Dave, who we did the interview with, is not on Mars, even though it, it kind of sounds, sounds like, like he is. <laughs> or maybe he's in West Texas. It's, it sounds like no, I was in West Texas. It sounds like he's uh, on the space shuttle or something because. With the satellite connection that I was having to use, um, which I'll probably never use again, Skype kind of distorted the sound a bit. So I'm saving this to the end, um, and I do appreciate Dave uh, Dave's time and his reporting from the Chicago RV show, his thoughts and his ideas about RVing, but the quality of this uh, sound is not all that good. So let's be more clear. Ken is sitting in our RV right. talking to Dave via Skype on his computer, okay. and We're both the on our computers. signal is going through our RV satellite dish somewhere into outer space and then back down again into Chicago, and there's a time lag. Yes, and you've seen that when you talked, when you've seen remote reporters. Reporters in Afghanistan yeah. on remote up Kind of and just like with those remote reporters, I was able to see Dave because it was a video connection, which is cool. I mean, it was it was exciting that it actually worked, and we were able to talk for half an hour or it so. It worked surprisingly well. And, and it, it didn't even use up a lot of megabytes. Didn't use up a lot of megabytes, and it was uh, quite stable. But the sound quality is, is interesting, to say the least. And it was nice to hear what Dave had to say about the RV show in our hometown area and to hear what's new in RVing. Uh, for the upcoming year. Yes, indeed. So we will turn it over to the interview, and uh, we'll hear from Dave and me talking uh, uh, about a week ago. And I'm here with a longtime podcast listener, 
from the RV Navigator, and his name is David. And he's outside of Chicago, I assume, right? Right, we're, we're outside of Chicago, northwest suburbs. Northwest suburbs of Chicago. And your RV navigators are in West Texas, near Big Bend National Park. The temperature here is about uh, 75 degrees and beautiful sunny day. And we just did a four-mile hike this morning. So how did your day go? Our day went well. We had our grandson over, so we, we were busy with him this morning. <laughs> And I assume the, the weather is not quite as good there. The weather is uh, not bad now, but it's going to get worse tonight. Yeah. Well, first, you know, I'd like to hear a little bit about uh, your RVing experiences and where you've been and what you've done. Okay. Well, uh, we're Dave and Donna. Our marriage actually started in an RV. We oh. uh, had our honeymoon in a little uh, mini C-class motorhome. From there, it's it's we moved up to a, a bigger C. After that, we actually downsized. We went back to a pop-up camper, a Palomino. We have five kids, so and we've traveled all over the United States with the Palomino. That was getting kind of old, so we decided to get a C-class, and we bought a. It's a Coachman, an inexpensive one, but it, it, it serves its purpose. And uh, we've taken it out west uh, quite a few times to uh, Yellowstone and uh, you name it, Las Vegas and. Uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, and Tucson. Uh, it served us very well. Our listeners don't know it, but I can. Uh, we're actually looking at each other through the video chat, and we're getting a very good connection with our satellite dish. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with it so far. But I can see that you've got a few years on you, so how long have you been camping? Oh, we've been camping for about 32 years, I suppose, or longer. It actually started, of course, way before then, but uh, with Don and I, it's been about 32 years. And your plans for the future? RV-wise? Our plans for the future are to actually, well, of course, retire and travel throughout the U.S. We love traveling. We love seeing the world. Uh, we've been to Europe several times, and uh, we just uh, are really looking forward to getting the motorhome out and just seeing the country. Well, I hope you can make it down here big, to Big Bend. It's a, it's really a, a very fascinating area to visit. We've been here now a week. Yes, we were looking at Martha's Block. So uh, one of the reasons we wanted to chat was because we had a chance to go to the big Chicago RV show. Right, and uh, I'm going to send some pictures to you on that. But oh, great. We also... Uh, we had a great time down there. We were quite surprised that the show was downsized uh, as much as it was, but it was it's about half as big as it used to be. There were not as many uh, A's and C-class motorhomes. Everything seemed to be more on the downside. A lot of your uh, pop-ups and your travel trailers and your fifth wheels. It, it was more for families. Oh, really? uh, a lot of the motorhomes... Your bunk beds, that seemed to be a really big thing, was bunk beds now. And we're kind of surprised, which is kind of a neat thing, is you remember the old teardrops used to have the outside kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Well, that seems something that is uh, new, again, with a lot of these uh, trailers, travel trailers and fifth wheels, is an outside kitchen. Quite a few of the units had it. I'll send some pictures of that to you. We have uh, one of Here's. those teardrops parked directly across from us right here in, in Texas. Uh, we oh, were kind of surprised. Really? They are popular. We saw one oh. at the at the RV show in Texas. We're very surprised at how many people were coming and looking at it. Well, a lot of people are, of course, traveling with uh, smaller, you know, more economical cars now. And uh, teardrop is, is, I guess, probably going to become popular again. You know, the way. Yeah, I, I think they're less than two thousand pounds, so you can tow it with almost anything. We also saw a lot of the uh, these new electric bikes. That seems to be something that's popular. Too. Electric bikes. Electric bikes. Yes. Not that we don't need to get out and exercise. But I guess if you're going a long distance, you run out of energy. It's a good thing to have. So explain to me what the what they look like. Well, they're they're more or less like you remember the old mopeds. That yeah. Have the larger tires, and, except they're the electric version instead. So they don't have and, pedals. Uh, pretty unique. Oh yeah, they have pedals. Sure, just uh -huh. pedals, just like pedal bikes. They have uh, three wheel versions. They have two wheel ver you know the regular bicycle and the and the three wheel version. So and they're about seven hundred dollars, seven to uh, seven to fifteen hundred bucks. Did you notice uh, many companies that were missing from uh, the RV show? The ones that were there were Coachman, Palomino, Papa People. Uh, as far as Jacob was there also, but not a lot of your big manufacturers. One or two Tiffins. That was about it. There wasn't really that much there. So how's the attendance? Uh, the attendance was is actually pretty good. Uh, some of the vendors were saying that there seemed to be more people there this year than last year. Also that a lot of units uh, had sold signs on them. Really? So that means people are buying them and uh, hopefully the uh, RV market can pick back up again. Of course it depends on gas prices and the economy the way it's going now. Most of them were travel trailers or fifth wheels that you saw? Most of them were uh, travel trailers it seemed like. Uh -huh. uh, there were some fifth wheels intermixed there, and actually there was probably more pop-ups than anything else. Quite a diverse selection of uh, pop-up campers. 
trailer. Is there anything new in pop-ups? You know, uh, of course, uh, they have slide-outs too, you know. <laughs> I, well, I saw and, uh, one the other day out nice, here at nice a campground. Thing. And I, I'm going to send you one picture. Maybe you could put it on your website. Okay. Of a pop-up that it's a Palomino. This thing is super-sized. <laughs> I've never seen such a big one in my, my life. You'll see my wife Donna standing next to it. Pretty darn big. It's a pop-up. It, it, yes. it had hard size? No, it's a soft size. Now, our, our Palomino was a hard side. We uh-huh. really liked it. A, a very comfortable little unit we had, and we could sleep seven. As you can imagine, it, it was fairly crowded. When you have such a big family, you get used to it. We still had a lot of fun with it. Seven people in and, a Palomino. Uh, we, right, yeah, a little Palomino. Awesome and amazing. Totally the opposite of the way we, we do RVing. Oh, yes, right, right. It, it, it was pretty close to... Uh, tent camping as you could get. We were in the Grand Canyon one time, and we had taken our Palomino out there. Another pop-up had parked right next to us, and luckily we had one of these little cube heaters. It came in really handy because it got down below 30 that night, and it was snowing, so you can imagine how cold it was. And I felt so sorry for these people next to us that I guess they didn't have a heater, but we had this little cube heater, and it was just enough to keep our our little uh, pop-up, uh, very comfortable. I'll bet you have a lot of great pictures and stories to tell. Oh, we do. And I'm right. sure your kids appreciated and, uh, all the traveling. You know, i, I got to tell you, one, one thing I used to do, and we enjoyed doing this, was taking and surprising the kids. This is a, something maybe the, that other new campers can do, and that's uh, keeping something secret. All of a sudden, show them on the trip. We did this when we went out to uh, Devil's Tower. If you remember the movie Close Encounters, right. just before we got to the Devil's Tower, and so the kids were looking out the window, and they're, they're watching the show at the same time. All of a sudden, they see Devil's Tower outside, and we hadn't told them that we were going there, so it was kind of a surprise for them to see the tower that was in Oh, they the, must have been thrilled by window that. window there. Oh, they were thrilled by that. Yes, they were. We must have some other great tips for families, too. Yeah, the, we have. what we used to do is we used it every morning. It was a nice way to get all the kids up and get them in the car was to surprise them with a little surprise, whether it's a coloring book or whether it was a, a cheap little present, but... They would enjoy it, you know, and sure. give them uh, a reason to get in the car, you know, and not uh, fight or complain or anything like that. So they always love that. We had some great memories, a lot of fun. Well, hopefully we'll do some more in the future here, you know, if, if gas prices <laughs> come down a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I paid uh, $3.14 the other day. That's because we're in West Texas where there is nothing. <laughs> And they have to haul it thousands of miles just to get it here. I was upset, but not surprised. Yeah, More info about the RV show. Campgrounds uh, uh, were there in, in mass? Usually they have a lot of campgrounds. Just yes, they were. They did. There was a lot of campgrounds represented there. And uh, very aggressive. Very. Well, they want your business. Uh, there were quite a few there. So oh, I, actually, the prices for can very reasonable on. So can you give uh, us more uh, more specifics? Did you see something that was specifically quite low? Well, I think it was a Coachman Murata. It had the bunk beds in it. There's TV on each bunk. And it had the center TV like you've done with your rig. Yeah, yeah. You put a TV in the center. They did that on the Murata, too. There's no TV over oh, the yeah, uh, yeah. driver anymore. That's gone. This unit was, well, was 76000 A very nice unit, though, for, for the price. I was surprised we didn't see that many Sprinters there. Really? Uh, Sprinter chassis mm-hmm. uh, vehicles. Yeah, there was only a couple of them there. One was a Winnebago. Uh, sprinter. They also had uh, another unit that was like a B mod, like a, a big B, and it was a nice, nice unit. Uh, just a little too small if you're going to become a full timer, I think, to, to live in. Not as big as the pop up. No, I think the pop up was actually bigger. Really? Because <laughs> as <laughs> yeah, we look uh, around, uh, we see uh, a lot of the Sprinter chassis uh, on the road. I think you see them outside the campgrounds because people actually use them as their car and RV. That's probably a, a good reason to have it is just the easy of getting in and out of parking lots and they're a good little vehicle but just a little too small to live in i think uh, i think you guys have it right with the size unit you have <laughs> yeah we certainly enjoy it but 40 feet is a little bit too big for some people i don't know why okay. we did see a jaco c-class it's the 31 fk which has a center living area Instead of the uh, couch being up front, it's in the middle of the coach. It's a, a livable unit for a C-Class. I mean, it's something that I think uh, if people were looking to downsize, they could live in something like this. And that was 74000 uh, 75000 It had a slide-out, very comfortable little unit. What did they have over the cab? It had a bed over the cab. Oh, because a lot of them are using that uh, for storage. No, the option of putting an entertainment. Well, I think Jayco's a good company. We've been through their factory. This unit had uh, a mid-mounted TV. Which was nice, and so you didn't really need to have the entertainment center on top of the or in the yeah, overhead. Yeah. 
And FK would tell me that it's front kitchen, too. Oh, yeah, it's got a front kitchen, right, right. It's set up with a pantry up there, and so it's easy access when you're on the road. You can go back and get a, a drink or, or something very easily. Good. And it had granite uh, countertops. And a reasonable, so and a reasonable price. So maybe the RV industry is, is restructuring themselves. At a reasonable price. Yeah, so that they can uh, be more price competitive and, and, and meet the new market that's that's out there. Because I think people are, there's demand, but they just have to be at the right price points. Yeah, you have to offer the people what they want at a price they can afford. Absolutely. I think they found that niche with the uh, Jayco. Seems like a a good little unit. Donna was just saying, I wish there was a washer and dryer in the the unit, which would be nice. (laughs) But, of course, I don't Space is a a bit of a problem in a C. The Cs today are almost the size of the As from yesterday. They have quite a bit of room now. Yes, indeed. And, and many of them have more than one slide, even, or, or a full wall slide. You know, that, they've really, that really adds to oh, the sure, spaci- yes. spaciousness inside. A living room and a bedroom slide in, the, in a C and gain quite a bit of space. And it seems like many of them have uh, become more retirement-oriented because they don't have as many beds and they take the overhead and make it into an entertainment system or you know do other things that right. full-timers are looking for because we see quite a few of those. I think you're going to see that, the gas prices the way they are now. I think you're going to see a lot of of C's and uh, more so than the A's probably. Could uh, well be. People retiring and using. Okay, well, it's been really nice chatting with you on this first high-tech link. Yeah, nice chatting with you too. We'll let you go and, and, right. and hope you enjoy all the snow and we'll enjoy the sun down here in Texas. And I'm going to send some pictures to yes. you so, uh, okay. you so. can uh, get an idea of what we saw at the show. Good, I appreciate that very okay. much. We love your blog and we uh, love your uh, podcast and uh, just appreciate you sharing your life with us this is the way we share is by talking to nice people like you so it's it's great that you're willing to share also and maybe when we get back to chicago we can actually shake hands in person talk to you later sounds good ken okay bye now hey take care guys so (laughs) that was quite an interview wouldn't you say a technological technological feat beyond compare ladies and gentlemen and we will continue to try those things. If you'd like to Skype with me, uh, I would be happy to do it, but I'm going to get a more stable connection uh, someplace. No, no, no. Don't worry. She's got this terrified look on her face. Are we buying another $6,000 item here? No, no, no. I would go to a Starbucks or someplace. Oh, all right. And by the way, McDonald's is now offering free Wi-Fi, so God I might even, might even try a McDonald's to do the this type of connection. But I had we were literally boondocked in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and you have to plan ahead. And you have to plan ahead. Um, but that's when we did it. So that's where we were, and we weren't uh, any place until even now we're not any place. So let us know if you could understand it. <laughs> and please understand and, why if you couldn't understand and it. And if you'd like to uh, do an interview via Skype, uh, please let us know. We'll, we'll give it a try. And I will learn along with you about how to do it better. So we'll all have a great experience. Because when I've heard Skype used on other podcasts, it sounds very good. Well, let's see what you but can do. But I guess do. I need to do some learning. <laughs> anyway, so it's been quite a podcast. We have lots of interesting topics, and we're hoping that uh, the next month brings us ooh, some new and exciting things and some warm weather. Oh, let us pray. Let us pray. So from the cold of West Texas, West Texas we will turn it over to the next month and hoping that you will tune back in to the RV Navigator on April 1st. And happy March. It's going to be April Fool's. Well. You have to write some fictitious stories. Ooh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that's You'll have idea. to sort out what's true and what isn't. I think probably people are thinking about this fuel cell thing. <laughs> no, that's really ones. true. Okay, so this is your RV Navigator signing off for this month. And Martha, the co-pilot, wishing you happy travels. 